Thanks be to God. You can be seated. So good to uh, uh, hear so many different things this morning. And uh, uh, this morning we're talking on the spiritual discipline of giving and how appropriate that we do that when Ivan and Sharon come uh, and visit us this morning and you have given uh, many of you of your time and your energy to go and serve in Warsaw. And also, how appropriate this morning that Angela, you would come and share with us and that we would talk about uh, orphans and the need. This is a church that loves children deeply, and we have for many years invested our resources in the lives of children Uh, For many years, we have done so. As a matter of fact, I was sitting there thinking of all of you who serve in different ways with children in our church, either in what you do uh, day in and day out, or you fostered or adopted or guardian ad litem. Uh, You teach uh, school um, and work among uh, children. It is rather remarkable uh, how God has assembled a group of people like this who love kids deeply. As a matter of fact, I'm just kind of curious. If you're in the room this morning and you uh, teach, work in some way with children, you fostered or adopted uh, or guardian ad litem or you work in the Department of Social Services, would you stand up across this room? Uh, All across the room. This uh, indeed is uh, who we are, and thank you so much for being on the front lines, absolutely. Thank you. Well, this morning as we talk about giving, I um, reflect back on something that happened two weeks ago. Uh, My dad had passed away just the day before, and we were at home, and it was Sunday afternoon, and this young pastor came to visit uh, us His name is Logan. He was 30 years old, and the story will have a deeper meaning by the end of our uh, time together, but but I looked at my brother, and uh, Mom and Tim and I had had a conversation the day before. We had walked into Dad's closet, and we were picking out the suit for his burial, and we saw all his suits just neatly organized, and his shoes lined up, and his shirts lined up, and all of these ties and things like that. And uh, mom said, uh, we said, what are we going to do with these? And uh, we began to think through folks. Maybe there are folks that dad's suits would fit. And so it was on the next day, on Sunday afternoon, when Logan came in, this young 30-year-old pastor, that we kind of sized him up and down and said, we think he's a candidate. And so I looked over at Tim, and Tim is Tim's pastor, and so Tim began the conversation that led down the hall into the closet, and, 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 and Logan was uh, hesitant. He said, isn't it too soon? And I said, oh, no, Logan, it's fine. And so after some time in Dad's closet, Logan comes walking out. He's loaded down with suits and shirts and ties and uh, uh, he is beaming. You see, dad meant a lot to him and had mentored him in a sense in dad's way of doing that. And Logan received this remarkable gift to him. Very nice clothes, pristine suits. Dad kept things kind of all in order. 
It is difficult to describe uh, the joy that our family felt knowing that uh, perhaps even today he's wearing one of dad's suits. This morning we're talking about giving and I will tell you that while I don't preach often on giving, I don't, I love to ask people to give. I love it. I love challenging people to give. And by the time we're finished today, I'll ask you to give too. Jesus encountered at this passage that Michelle has read some serious tithers. And what he said turned tithing on its head, or you might say on its feet, and gave understanding to it. I'll share very quickly this morning three principles. Number one, before you give your money to God, give yourself to God. Before you give your money to God, give yourself to God. Jesus gets this invitation to eat uh, at a Pharisee's home, and they're the ruling class. This is a remarkable invitation, and uh, Jesus sits down to eat and forgets to wash his hands. Or does he do it on purpose? We don't know. But the Pharisee was astonished. That's the word. We can't miss that tiny word. Why? Because it is the same word used to describe when Jesus is in the boat asleep and they wake him and he calms the seas and the disciples look at him when he has calmed the sea and they're astonished that this man could speak and the waves calm down. This Pharisee is as astonished that Jesus doesn't wash his hands as these other disciples were that he could calm the sea. Now, we may have something out of whack. When calming the sea and washing your hands before dinner are on the same level of response, something's wrong, amen? Something's off. And so he gasped. This Pharisee, Jesus' lack of following, one of the 613 Old Testament laws. And Jesus said to him, now you Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. Well, that's a nice thing to say to somebody who invited you to eat. That word cleanse means to repeatedly dip meaning they couldn't look good enough on the outside. One more look in front of the mirror. One more look around to see who's watching. Greed literally means robbery. Wickedness means depravity. These are hefty words, Jesus says. You look so good on the outside, but on the inside you're so bad. I I want to share with you uh, this picture. Look at, isn't that lovely? This is one of uh, your coffee mugs that actually went through a dishwasher. And what remained afterward? This is a news story of how uh, people are cleaning and excited about the mug in which they drink coffee and don't realize what's growing underneath when it is washed meticulously on the outside but left dirty on the inside. Jesus says, you fools. Well, um, this is how to win friends and influence people. 
Did not he who made the outside make the inside also, but give as alms those things that are within? And behold, everything is clean for you. What does it mean, give as alms those things that are within? Give inside to God first. If you are going to give your money to God, it matters not unless you've given yourself to him. That's what Jesus is saying. Heart change leading to life change. I would say something to you this morning, that the worst givers on the planet are those who give their money but not their heart because then they make demands on their giving. They use it as a means to control, as a means to push and shove and get their way. So you say, what do I do? I encourage you, and the title of the sermon on giving is Here Goes Nothing. I encourage you to pray the nothing prayer. The nothing prayer goes like this. Jesus, without you, I am what, class? My own righteousness amounts to what? Apart from you, I can do. Without you, I have. That's true, isn't it? If we don't start there, if we don't begin there, you will never come to faith in Christ if you think that you bring anything to the table. That old hymn says, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. We come to God with nothing. There is no good that we can do apart from him. And everything that you've ever been given in your life was a gift from him. Your health, which enables you to work, which enables you to get a paycheck, is a gift from him, isn't it? We are so blessed by him. And so the beginning point of any great giver It's the reality that he or she has been given much. The reality that you have received what you have received because God did what he did. I would say to you this morning, if you sit here and this is your first time at Grace or your first time at church in a long time, I would say to you, I want you to hear from us that all the people who sit in this room and all the people who stand on this stage to sing and all the leaders of this church realize that apart from Jesus Christ, we can do what, class? Nothing. There's absolutely nothing we can do apart from him. We are not who we are because of anything we've ever done, but only because of what Christ did on the cross, the great giver who gave us his own life. So before you give your money to God, I implore you, give yourself to him. Give yourself to him. As a matter of fact, do you know what a significant concern I have is? I have a concern that some of you may think because of you giving your money to God that somehow it might earn you some space with him, some place with him, some place in heaven. Could I just say to you that there is no gift, however large or small, however sincere or insincere, that could ever bring you into the presence of the Almighty God. You just can't do that. Number two, after you give yourself to God, give your money to him. 
Look at verse 42. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Now these Pharisees are so meticulous as tithers that they tithe off of their herb garden. Meaning when it grows, the first herbs they get and take it to the synagogue off of their herb garden. What is the tithe? The big deal about the tithe in the Old Testament is the word first fruits. It was the first. Now, if you did not grow up gardening, this will not make much sense to you. But in the Old Testament, it was an agrarian, an agrarian culture. So their currency was often food they grew. So they would grow it. And the tithe was to take the first and give it away. Now, I grew up farming and I grew up gardening and that first tomato, there are not many people I love enough to want to give to. <laughs> it's so good. But do you know what's better? Those first new potatoes. Ah, uh, I got an amen on that, Ivan. All right, those first new potatoes. Why? Because we'd go dig those things. Dad would say, hey, son, we got some potatoes I think are ready. And you don't go in full on those. You, you built them up on a hill. You go in from the side. You barely pull them out. They're about this big around with a super tender skin on them. You clean them up just barely. Mom gets them, cuts them in half, puts a big old slab of butter in a big old frying pan browns those things. Mmm, those are good. And everybody's hungry. But those are so good. But growing up, we had this big garden, and across from us lived a single mom. Her name was Judy. And Judy had two daughters. One of them was Glenda, and the other was Diane. Glenda Glenn and Diane Brooks. And my dad would say, all right, son, you go out there, and what you pick, you pick more, and you take it to Judy. And I go pick tomatoes, and I go do whatever we did. We took some in, and we went across the road. Didn't matter if Judy was home or not. She worked hard. We'd drop on Judy's front porch. All kinds of food. First fruits means you take the first. Why? Why, why do you do that? James 1, 16 through 18, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. God's all about first fruits. So, so when you tithe, 
or give 10% of your income to the church. When you do that and you do it first, you're trusting God with the rest. That's the principle. You're saying, God, I trust you that I can live off of what's left. It is not just a perfunctory write the check thing. No, it is a conscious decision to trust God. But why does James say, do not be deceived here? Here it is. The more we have, the more we think it's ours. That's our problem. The more we have, the more we think it's ours. Why? Well, I worked hard to get that. I, I, I did this to get that. I remember being in grad school, and I was very, very poor, just really poor. And so my, my monthly income was about $550 a month. And God began to work in my life, and he said, you need to tithe. And that made no sense to me because I attended a very large church whose weekly giving was between eighty dollars and $120,000. Weekly. So, so why would it be that my $55 monthly gift would matter? But that's what God said to do. He said to tithe. And I'm growing in my walk with him. And I just want to do whatever he says. I just want to do whatever he says. So I would tithe. And I did it first. I would write the check first. Everything come through. I would go through uh, my, uh, my bills I remember this one particular month. I don't think I'll ever forget it. I went through the bills and I paid the bills. I wrote my tithe check and I paid the bills. And when I got to the end, I was short. I was short $30. And I thought, what am I going to do? I've got a $50 check sitting there that if I tear it up, guess what? I'm not short anymore. Well, the year before, I was a school teacher for one year. That's all I could hang. God bless you all. Um, but I was a school teacher for one year. I lived at home, and I banked money. And that year, I saw a single mom in our church, and the Lord said, give her money. She needs help on a power bill. And so I'd done so, 300 bucks. I'd given her $300, Never expected anything in return. And so that single mom had sent me a note that was in my mail that I had gone through. And I had looked through my mail and seen the note, and it was a very kind note, and I thought it was a very kind gesture. And, and I remember thinking how kind of her to write me a note down here in grad school. And so I had gone through, and then I go through one more time. It's still my kind of rhythm today. Go through, throw away all the mess that doesn't matter in mail, keep what matters, and then sort through again to get it in its right spot. So I was doing the second round through, already having paid the bills, already realizing that I was $30 short when I went to throw her envelope away. And when I did, I saw a piece of paper in it. And I thought, what is that? I missed that before. And so I pulled out that piece of paper, and when I do, how I missed it, I do not know. It was a money order from Nancy for $30. 
$30. Wow. And the Lord in my infancy of growing in my walk with him said, son, I told you I got you. Do you know how many times since that $30 money order has flashed through my mind in lean times? Son, I got you. But secondly, do you realize if I didn't tithe, it would have been a non-issue? I never would have needed it like I did. Cameron Bowles, who, who leads financial peace, says give God 10% and trust him with what you have left. Do that. If you've never taken that journey, I challenge you between now and Christmas to say, okay, even coming up on Christmas season, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give God 10% and I'm going to trust him with what's left. You say, but some say tithing, isn't it, isn't it just an Old Testament idea? Yes, it is. But here, Jesus brings it in the New Testament. Did you see what he said? These you ought to have done, meaning tithe off those herbs without neglecting the others, love and justice. Third, after you give your money to God, give your money to others. Justice and the love of God that Jesus refers is the great commandment in reverse. Love God with all your heart, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, why did I tell the story of, of dad, dad's suits? Because early, 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 we lived in a little white Jim Walter home in Tennessee, and we had nothing. One night, a young preacher preached, and my dad saw what he wore and thought he should not wear that to preach in. And I still remember that night, though I was quite young, when we pulled into the driveway of that little white Jim Walter home and a car pulled in behind us, and it was that other young preacher about dad's age, and he got out. And I remember walking into our little living room and dad looking at that young preacher, and I think his name was Gene, and he said to him, Gene, Go to my closet and pick out whatever you want. And Gene looked at him, and Dad said, Whatever you want, pick it out. And Gene walked in there, and when he left, I discovered that he took Dad's newest and best suit. I have never, ever forgotten that. That though we had nothing, we still had something to give. I, that has never escaped me. After you give your money to God, give your money to others. But you might say, isn't it just as good to give my tithe to someone else instead of giving it to the church? And I'm going to say to you, I don't stand up here as someone uh, preaching this because I'm a pastor. I sit on four boards of four 
different Christian organizations that completely rely on giving of others to sustain them. I chair two of those boards and I sit on two others. And every one I sit on, I am grateful for people who give to those organizations so that they run effectively and efficiently. I have even directed large donors from this church toward those organizations. I, I, I don't operate like that. We give so much away at this place. So, so I'm just saying principally, making this point. The problem with the thinking is that if you are giving your tithe to someone else, you are giving to someone else what does not rightly belong to you. That's the point. Your tithe is God's, period. It isn't yours. And so when you take that and give it to someone else, it wasn't yours to give. That's God's. You say, well, why should I tithe? Here at Grace, this is why. It covers curriculum for kids, heat for buildings, gravel in the parking lot. It kills wasps. When it gets hot, cold outside, it pays the water bill, keeps the lights on, it pays the staff. It reduces the cost of summer, staff, uh, summer camp for kids. It puts roofs on houses, food in the food pantry, and pays life group child care workers. It supports mission work all over the world through Southern Baptist Missions, as well as Mark and Michelle Wise in Uganda and Josh Bingham in California. It sends folks to Warsaw, just like you heard this morning on relief and rebuild trips. It provides seminary scholarships for grace students who are in seminary, and it prints your Sunday bulletin. It pays for our website, our Facebook ministry. It buys microphones and sound equipment. It's just a list of things that your tithing covers. But at Grace, we also give you opportunities to give alms. That's what the word means to the poor. Jesus said, no, don't stop doing that. You can sponsor someone with a special need at night to shine. You can feed a kid for the, for the summer through lunch bunch. You can provide a backpack for a kid filled with school supplies. You can give to build a new building like we're doing right now or to open the preschool. These are all opportunities above and beyond your tithe to give. You say, well, what do I do now? Jerry, this was a great service until your sermon. <laughs> if you don't tithe, start. I'm serious, just start. Just start. Just say, this month, this week, I'll give 10% online through envelopes, however. Let me tell you, I get to do all kinds of weddings. I love them. I have pastor friends who say, do you like weddings? I love them. Many pastors despise them. I love them. I want to tell you something that I tell now couples that I meet with. An increasing number of you in our congregation, even at your young age, will make six figures out the gate just like that. My counsel to them, and I'll say it to you, if you're in here today and, and you earn a lot of money, tithe and then set up a giving fund. Set up a giving account between the two of you that you put money into and then the need comes and you give it away. 
I tell every young couple that. Give what rightly belongs to God. Trust him with the rest. And then, because you are uniquely positioned, because of your financial capacity, you need to have this fund that when God opens that opportunity, you go to it and give it. And then put money in it and give it. And put money in it and give it. Tremendous. Do you know what you'll see? You'll see a trust in God begin to develop like you haven't seen before. And you'll see a joy in giving alms to the poor that will warm your heart. I just encourage you that we are here because he who had the most gave the best. That is his son. And you with me can pray this prayer. Would you look at the screen? If you can say this from the bottom of your heart, let's pray it together. Jesus, without you, I am nothing. My own righteousness amounts to nothing. Apart from you, I can do nothing. Without you, I have nothing. Lord, thank you for those who've already discovered the joy and the trust of tithing. And those who after today will begin to discover the joy and the trust of tithing. Thank you for those in this place who are so financially blessed. May they not ignore that unique blessing you have given them and may they give alms to the poor. Jesus, as you instructed those Pharisees with disciples' ears in view, obviously, or we wouldn't have this text, tithe and give the rest out of overflow. And what joy that will bring. Bless us as we give Christ as you've given to us. In your name, amen.